0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number six hundred and forty-three.
1: Don't quit till the gorilla quits.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am so revved up and very excited to introduce today's very special guest, Keith Coucher. Keith, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right. Great to have you here. Keith Coucher is an automotive designer and the owner of Coucher Customs in Santa Monica, California. He's designed over 60 custom cars, ranging from a 1936 DeSoto Airflow to a 2009 Camaro. He creates custom automobiles for clients around the world. He's designed many wheels, from aftermarket to OEM, including the 2004 Mustang Bullet Wheel. The first of his designs he took to the Grand National Roaster Show back in 2006, and he won first place for Best Post-War Hardtop Traditional Customs. And since then, he's earned numerous awards and trophies for his car designs. His latest car is the 1960 Buick named Electrified, and it won the 2016 Grand National Roadster Show. I was fortunate enough to see it at the SEMA show last week. When you ask Keith which of the cars he's designed are his favorites, you'll often hear him saying the next one. So Keith, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business? your designs and your passion for automobiles.
1: Yes, Mark. Basically, uh, my passion starts started at a very early age and I have just kind of continued. I've been very blessed to be able to work and get paid to do what I love doing um and uh, designing cars was just something I kind of discovered when I was about 13 years old and I, and uh, you know, it took me quite a few years to kind of get to this place where I'm at, but uh uh, it's a it's a wonderful place to be, you know. and oh, yeah,
2: um, yeah. The
1: getting to see something that was in my head, uh, you know, maybe a, two or two years before, all of a sudden sitting on the the ground and, and having people you know taking pictures of it and, <laughs> yeah. and and scratching their head like what was done to it uh, kind of thing and a lot of my cars are like that I will use a new top top off another car I should say and and uh, that car will look completely different and they'll look at the top and they'll try to figure out well, what what's a top one but <laughs> usually I change the shape of the top in some manner so that it isn't necessarily recognizable as being that roof line you know
0: I'll I'll let our listeners know I got to see a bunch of your cars when I was at SEMA, and the range of design, I should say, that you do is so very cool. And, I mean, all the cars you've done over your time, we're going to learn a little bit more about you as we move through the questions here. Man, you are living the dream, that's for sure, especially for car people that dream and love the concept of designing cars for people. Uh, You're a guy who's actually doing it. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your career and your business. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on car yeah? So, Keith, take the wheel.
1: Well, I'm a martial artist, so I like this one because I'm, I'm involved in competitive or excuse me, combative sports.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And so for years, I've always related to this, and that's simply don't quit till the gorilla quits.
0: Mm, Don't quit till the gorilla quits. Now, give us uh, an idea of how you've incorporated that concept into the, the business and the career that you've chosen.
1: Well, you know, it's, uh, it's a niche business, and uh, as we all know in America, we have had a major downturn as of 2008, and uh, discretionary income became uh, as hard to find as, uh, or disappeared, yep. as you, as I, you might want to say, as fast as uh, uh, pizza at a 10-year-old birthday party. So, <laughs> yes. um, you know, basically, I had to uh, kind of reinvent myself and figure out ways to somehow to keep this business afloat through that time period and um, mm-hmm. so that's about the time I kind of came up on that and and you know I kind of really needed to hear that at that time because I was pretty pretty close to just saying I'm done this is this is just not going where it needs to go so
0: yeah I would assume that concept of don't quit until the gorilla quits because gorillas are very large mighty strong beasts and they just don't give up so is that where that that tenacity concept comes through
1: Yeah, I've always been a tenacious person anyway. I mean, you know, like you said, being involved in martial arts, um, you know, I was used sometimes by my uh, instructors to show that uh, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't, you know, back down. I mean I sure. remember one particular case where he, he was he was showing a choke out hold and, and he said, you know, you get a guy like Coucher here and he won't tap out and basically I didn't tap out and uh, I basically got, got knocked out. Passed out, yeah. Because yes. <laughs> he did that. But, but 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 he basically was showing, you know, you, you you know you don't know who you're fighting and you get a guy like this guy who just will not give up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he well. fight until you actually <laughs> knock him out.
0: Well, you know, I love that saying. It's the first time I've heard that saying here in Cars, yeah, but I love the concept of it. And so much of uh, of the many entrepreneurs I've had as guests here, it's tenacity, perseverance that just kept them going. And especially during that really tough time. And the guest I had on yesterday basically lost everything. He ended up having to move back in with his grandmother. I mean, everything was gone, lost all of his money and everything during that recession. And uh you're right. He became a gorilla and fought back, and uh, now he's got a successful career. So very nice, unique saying. I like that. Thanks for sharing that with us. I'd love for you to go back in time and share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you were growing up that you realized that you were a car guy?
1: You know, I don't remember when I wasn't a car guy. I was always crazy about cars. I can't re- honestly remember a moment when I wasn't, you know, asking my dad about this car or that car. And yeah, you know, uh, I remember him firing up the car and me loving the smell of the burnt exhaust and, st- and literally standing there breathing it until my dad went, uh, no, stop that. That's, that's not good for you, but I just right. love the way it smelled, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, but, uh, you know, I think for me, um, people have asked me, where did you get your design sense? And and I think, really, I kind of backtracked and figured out that it was about the time I was five to eight years old in that period that I uh, used to go to my grandma's house with my parents, you know, and my uncle, who was about 10 years older than me, was an avid car builder, a model builder, I should say. Uh-huh. And he had a room with a shelf full of these car models that he built. And I was, a uh, you know, a kid who just loved toy cars. That's all I had. And, and I had cars that were all this one twenty fifth type scale. They were made by a company called Chorus. These little soft plastic cars that used molding, uh, molds, excuse me, off of, uh, the AMT, AMT molds for, oh. for some of their 123 scale cars. Okay. And these were 49-cent are cars, but my mom used to buy these for me every time we would go to this particular store in, in town here in Santa Monica. But in any case, so I recognize those cars as being the, the same as mine, but much nicer. And uh, and so my dad said, you can go in there and look at the cars, but do not touch them. they a lot fragile. So you have to put your hand in your pocket. And I would sit there with my hands in my pocket for you know, probably an hour, or two. Yeah. just staring at these things, and in my mind, I was playing with those cars like if they yeah. were mine, and I was also redesigning them, thinking how I would do these different, and I really think that that's where my design sense came from, because I, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother's house, and uh-huh. I would, would do that on a, on a consistent basis, but back to your question about what was the real pivotal, inspirational, or epiphany in my life that said, you know, I am truly a car guy to the bone, is a story I've told many times, but... My uncle Alec was a really big influence on me. He was a car, card nut himself. And, uh, when he realized he had a nephew that was a car nut, he was, you know, he was really, uh, I would say instigational in, in continuing to, to, you know, feed me and feed the seeds of of that passion in me, and so right. because of that, I was very, very uh, you know, close to him and, and loved to hang out with him. And he once he was about fifteen years older than me, and he had a younger brother, my uncle Jerry, who also I was very close to. Uh, he was about ten years older than me, and then I had a cousin named Gene, who was two years older. And all these guys were all into cars. We just loved cars, and mm. so there was one particular time that we went to a local. It was called a Mama Papa Burger, A.K a w in seat and selma yeah. california
2: okay yeah
1: and um we rolled up there in my uncle's ss396 it was a 66 ss396 ml very unique car uh it was a silver car with a black top not not a vinyl top a black top two-tone
2: so, wow. and it was
1: the only one uh i've ever seen since then uh, i've never seen another one ever again yeah Anyway, we rolled up in this car and, and my uncles were really popular with all the girls in town and they all knew them and, and we pulled in and this is one of these places where they had car hop service and so the girls came roller skating out and they, you know, were greeting them and they were like, who are these two guys, you know, and they jumped back in the back seat with my cousin and I and they started rubbing our heads and hugging <laughs> us and, you know, giving us all this attention and uh, and uh while this was going on, Indigata the Vita was playing on my uncle's A track player. Oh my gosh. And um, to this day, when I hear that song, it brings back that yeah, a flashback of that moment, but it was at that moment I said, wow, this is my life. This is what I want to do. I want to be with cars and music and, and girls like this the rest <laughs> of my life. And, and uh, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I ultimately did.
0: You knew you'd figure it out. Those formidable years. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. Thanks for taking us to that great fun time. I remember growing up in Southern California, those burger joints and the A&W and Mama Pop. So uh, very cool. I like that story. That was fun. Well, Keith, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. You talked about that recessionary time that so many of us went through that was a really tough, tough time. But the most important thing about challenging times or even great failures in our career have to do with how we overcome them and what they teach us so we can move forward. So take us to that painful time, kind of walk us through it, and then tell us what it taught you so that you can move forward.
1: Well, essentially just a backdrop on that I was uh working as an independent wheel designer at the time. Um I was kind of living a lifestyle where I was making a, a really good deal of money. I had no employees. I was I had money in the bank. I was living a semi-retired life because once my wheel designs were in uh for the year, I had about uh you know 4 months of me basically doing whatever I felt like doing.
2: Yeah. And
1: it was really during that time that I would do more of my car design stuff, but Essentially, there was a contract change in 2007 that uh, literally took my income levels down to where it was. My income was 10% of what it had been.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: Literally with, with, within a month of the time that contract executed. So Ouch. Uh, here I was with my head and my hands going, um, I have a $6,000 plus month to crack, and I just got a check for 1500 bucks. What Ooh. am I going to do?
0: Yeah.
1: So this was all driven by. Chinese import, by the way, and and uh, this was yeah. ki- kind of so I was kind of leading the curve into the uh, two thousand eight crash. So mm-hmm. um, I went through that, and I basically, you know, with my I guess just that perseverance, that that's never give up kind of yeah, mentality. A I mentality. Have, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I just did what I had to do, and I you know, unfortunately, I had to sell. Uh, my my prized car, uh, the '66 Shelby replica, uh, known as Black Nasty, um, and I, you know, so I had to do some pretty hard things, um, yeah. and uh, but I did it, and I got through for the most part. I mean, I'm not still on the other side of the uh, tunnel yet, but but I'm still here, and yeah. I know a lot of people who I would consider sh- smarter better businessmen than me and they're and they're gone they're not they're not in this or a lot of designers that uh, were in this industry that are doing something else now they're not they're right. not designing cars anymore right. and i'm and I'm one of the few that has actually maintained and continued living a lifestyle solely on designing custom cars for people for the most part um, yeah. where a lot of these guys have full- time jobs and they're doing this on the side and sure. it, it, there's a big difference I'm also one of the few design stop shops that actually has an actual brick-and-mortar office, you know, where a lot of these guys are using P.O. boxes or or, uh, their their home address because they don't actually have a shop.
0: Sure. What's a, a takeaway you can offer for those listeners that might be going through a challenging time like that? Obviously, recessions pretty much out of everyone's control. Seeing them coming, is a, a real treat, but a lot of people don't see them coming or they ignore them or they think, oh, this is just a little burp. But uh, that one really walloped a lot of people. What's a, t- what's a takeaway lesson you learned from that time in your life that you might offer others that might help them get through similar situations?
1: I guess what I've learned, number one, is when the times are good, better financial planning is a priority. <laughs> I mean, yes, you, yes. You, you need a good financial planner. If you're not, a person who understands money or knows how to properly invest money and so many of us don't it's not something we're taught in school unless you that's your particular profession but uh, if you're particularly uh, creative type like I am uh, numbers aren't really a thing and so I took away from that you know when the next round comes and I'm in that that place again where money is rolling in I'm could definitely have somebody that's managing that money for me that I trust and know we'll do that so that's number one number two I learned that I'm a lot tougher and more resilient than I ever thought because I'm still here. You know, if you don't have that toughness, if you don't have that mentality, you know, I, I kind of I used to make this analogy that I pictured myself as Richard Gere in the movie uh, Officer and a Gentleman, where he's being squirted by the hose by, by Lou Gossett Jr. Telling him, BQ, DQ, DQ, and he finally looks up and he says, I got nowhere else to go. Well, that was me. Because that's really what I felt like. I said, I got nowhere else to go. What am I gonna do? You yeah. know. So you know, when you when you realize that you just you just keep trying to persevere what you're doing. I just wasn't gonna give up.
0: Don't give up. Don't give up. Never quit. That great quote from Sir Winston Churchill. Never ever ever give up. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking us to a, a very personal journey in time and congratulations to you for being tenacious and persistent and uh hanging in there. Let's shift gears here, Keith, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a a career aha moment. It's that time when you kind of see a new path, a new direction that you think is going to work for you. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success.
1: Well, I guess it was when I realized that not being an art center grad, and and I was actually offering a scholarship there, but when I looked into it, I realized that when I went to art center, I couldn't work, and I was already... Uh, in my uh, late 20s and, and had an apartment, and I wasn't about to move back in with the folks to go back to school. It just didn't uh-huh. make sense okay. to me. So yeah. um, I I chose a another path and I went to Cal State Northridge to, uh, to get my degree in industrial design. But essentially, when I got out of school, uh, realizing that I'm competing against these art center grads to get jobs in the automotive industry, I said, Well, I'm not going to be the first guy they're going to hire. You're know, going go pick those guys first because they're that's an established school, and that's a specific a system of, of learning there that the uh, you know, car companies are looking at as potential uh, designers and stylists. So I thought to myself, where's the back door? Ah. And I found that that was the wheel industry. I said, you know, for every car I've ever designed as a kid, and, and even as an adult, I always created my own wheel design.
2: Mm. You know? And
1: I thought, well, shit, i got all these wheel designs, I bet you. I could get into a real company. So I submitted, uh, I guess, maybe 10 or 11 resumes, and I got called into, I think, six different companies, and I ended up going and working at Superior Industries. So that was really my aha moment.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I've had a, a lot of graduates from Art Center College of Design, and I'll tell you, way back when... I really wanted to go school there. I got accepted. I went up there and met with them. And like you, the lady said, well, uh yeah, we'd like to have you come to our school, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what are the job opportunities up here? And she looked at me and she said, well, you can't work while you're going to school here. You're going to be too busy. I said, well, how am I going to pay for this? She goes, well, I don't know, but you can't work while you're going to school here. And that drive back, back home was long for me because I'm like, well, I've got to be able to work. I can't pay for school and you know so I ended up not going there but uh, found another path for my life as well. So I appreciate you sharing that great aha moment, the wheel industry. Well how about your proudest career moment? You've earned a lot of awards prizes for the cars you've designed but is there one in particular that stands out for you?
1: Well there's actually kind of two but I guess the first one would be when my 54 Ford, which was my first custom that I actually went off design and built for myself, a personal car, personal build i want to make it clear that it was built by starlight rod and custom i don't take credit for things i didn't do but i designed the car and they built it in any case that car went off and it won the grand national Roadster Show, first place for its class that was a big big moment what was more of a, of a big moment for me was the look on my dad's face when he first saw the car uh, you know, my brother and I had been there since Thursday night setting up and had the whole place set up. And then my dad and my uncles and, and some other family members had showed up and, and we went out there and greeted, greeted them at the gate and we brought them in to see the car. And I remember my dad looking at the car. Wow. And he saw the car when I first got it. Uh-huh. And he knew, you know, what a piece of chunk it was when I brought it home. Yeah. And he seen many of my other Bells as, as a kid growing up. And I always built really nice looking cars, but he could not believe this car. He, he looked at it. And he said, I never thought that probably looks just incredible. That's 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 absolutely amazing. I'm just, oh, uh, nice. I'm just blown away. And so for me, my dad who's never been one to brag on his kids or anything, uh, it's just not his nature. I knew he was extremely proud of me at that moment. And uh, that, that really hit home more than I think even winning the award that my dad was that proud of something yeah, that I had yeah. off.
0: Wow. What know? a what a fantastic moment. Well I again I appreciate you sharing a really personal moment in your life. That's so fantastic. I mean when you you received that uh, accolade from your parents, uh, that look in their eye. Yeah, there's nothing like that. Yeah. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. I'd love for you to share what your first really special car was and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle.
1: Well, obviously, my first car is a special car to me, but not to the level of my car that was known as Black Nasty. Its license plate was B L K N S T Y, uh, And i got to give you a little background on that name, Black Nasty. Uh, my cousin, Mark Woods, who's... About uh about maybe twenty years older than I am, um he's a very cool guy, uh and he has uh had done very well in business, but he bought this boat he got into boating in the seventies and he bought this flat bottom the Sanger hog flat bottom, the six hundred cubic inch big block Chevy in it and oh it was black gosh. and and on the bow of the boat, written in this bamboo letter was the name Black nasty and I thought that was the coolest name I had ever heard in my life <laughs> and I Said to myself, and I was probably about 11 years old when this happened. And I said to myself, someday I'm gonna own a car, and I'm gonna call it Black Nasty, and I'll go a black, really, really badass car, and I'm gonna call it Black Nasty. So <laughs> cool. I I bought this 60, it was actually a 65 Mustang Fastback for 500 bucks, and I I took it all apart and put it all back together, and had to paint it painted black with gold stripes, made it a GT 350H model with a 306 cubic inch small block in it that made 430 horsepower oh my gosh Uh, it was was a rocket ship it it did it did the quarter mile in in uh, 12.8 seconds and ran uh and ran a terminal speed of about 114 jeez and it was a road race car yeah that was the funny thing you know this is this is smoking the tires down the track with road race tires to go so anyway this car was really a special car to me i was the first real ford i ever did I was a born a born or not, excuse, not necessarily born, but I was a Chevy kid. I was yeah. the kind of kid that you know, if you got in a Ford Chevy argument with me and as a kid, it would go to fists. I mean, I was that <laughs> that adamant about oh, it. And so here I here I was in my thirties, and I decided I wanted to build this Mustang, and I did. I built this just killer Mustang, and it was just so well sorted out. It it did everything extremely well i mean uh-huh. i was out running open track events for this car and, and running away from Z06 corvettes and uh, here i was in this car that was 30 you know plus years old and, and these guys couldn't catch me cool um so that was the car and it was just a very very special car for me and you know so having uh um, this car that was known as Black Nasty and had been featured in SEMA tw- two years in a row, had been in two publications, no, three publications, you know, it was a pretty well-known car. Yeah. In fact, I met um, Lou Santiago, who used to do Muscle Car, uh, the Muscle Car TV show, he's still a friend of mine to this day, but uh-huh. I met him one time and I I mentioned the name Black Nasty, he goes, I know that car. Uh. I said, you do? He goes, yeah, I know that car, PLKMSTY. I go, wow, you know my car? He <laughs> said, yeah. <laughs> Perfect so it, 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 it has it some legs. People knew
0: this car. Yeah, absolutely. The legend. Well, is that the uh, seller's remorse story for you? You mentioned that you had to let that car go. Is that the car that you really wish you had back in your garage?
1: Yeah, that's the car. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a very uh, sad day when I had to make that decision. In fact, I told my brother, you know, I said, I'm going to need you to drive when I go take this thing. He, he followed me over in my pickup, and I took this car over to a uh, uh, classic car dealership over in Santa Monica, uh, yeah. in Wilshire, and, and um, you know, I was fine until i started emptying the glove box and, yeah. and i couldn't even turn around and look back at it i mean i felt like i had just left my dog oh and, uh, yeah uh-huh. you know at the pound i mean it was just it was the saddest moment i got in the car and i actually broke down for a couple of seconds oh I mean, gosh it was really a tough, tough thing to let thing. go of
0: yeah do you know where the car is today
1: Yes, uh, I actually had made a deal, uh, you know, the guy that had the car there wasn't getting any any real offers, he was asking way too much money for it, so through a network of some of my Mustang buddies, uh, one of them had located a guy in Australia who was looking for a really nice replica, and he ended up buying it, and he's a great guy, his name's Steve Cooper, oh, okay. and he keeps me, uh, keeps me uh, uh, you know, what's the word, updated on what's going on yeah, with the car, and he, yeah. he actually, I'll tell you an interesting story with the second owner of this car, he basically took it out to his first race uh it was like a bathurst vintage race that he took the car to and he thought well you know there's a bunch of falcon xbs and you know x xas and you know all these really very well prepared professionally built race cars out there i'll probably do okay well he ended up being the third fastest car on the track wow um, and and, uh you know set the, the set the third fastest elapsed time around the track. Nice, so, nice. Um, that's a lot to be said for this car. That is basically <laughs> yeah, a street car.
0: Yeah, I think so. Well, it's nice that you know where it is and uh, vegetation, right? If you will, is it is it down in uh, Australia?
1: Yeah, it's in Australia, and uh, he's already told me, we told, we made a deal from the very beginning, if you ever wanted to, you know, if you have the money and you want to buy it back, it will work out something, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I probably won't ever do that. It's, it, you know, I, I tend to, once I kind of let a car go as much as I would like to have it back.
0: Yeah, um, sometimes I'm, it's I, best to keep I, moving forward. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So, yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about moving forward here. What are you currently working on that really has you excited and fired up today?
1: Well, I've got a couple of projects that are going for me, but the one that's been kind of a long going uh, project since about 2013 is uh, the '69 Camaro. Hat, uh, excuse me, the '69 Camaro Camback wagon that we're doing, um, and that's right—that's a station wagon. It's it's a two door wagon. Basically, the way I designed this car was to make it look like almost a precursor to the Vega wagon that oh, like yeah. Chevrolet had been, been experimenting. I, as my designs are always kind of generate it with that idea of, of it being a concept car that uh, was done, you know, in skunk work type, type application. So this is a pro-touring car. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a pro-touring car. It looks like a concept car. The only thing that gives it away is the fact that it's got 1812 rally wheels in the back and 1811 rally wheels, or 1810 rally wheels in the front, okay. you know, so, you know, that's really, it's the only giveaway that this is not a stock car. Ah. Uh, you look inside the interior. Everything is all done to have uh this appearance like this is was built at factory level. Even uh-huh. the motor, you open the hood and then the motor compartment looks like a stock four twenty seven Chevy. It's it's it's, it's, it's dressed to so it's like an L eighty eight four twenty seven Chevy. But the thing six hundred and thirty horsepower is a six speed transmission. Oh, it's, got, it's got a ton of sponsorship on it, you know, from from PBG, steel you know, steel rubber products, Vintage Air, Ride Tech, American Racing, Dynamax. You know, if I forget anybody, headman headers. These are all people that are involved in this project. Right, and it's it's right. uh, just about ready to be uh, revealed here. Hopefully at the uh, Grand National Roadster Show this coming uh, January. Oh, cool!
0: Well, awesome! Well, gosh, we can't wait to see that. It sounds absolutely spectacular. I'm sure, like all the cars you've uh, created, man, this thing's going to be killer. So very cool. Well, right. here's a here's a very introspective question for you, Keith. This will be an interesting one for you to answer. If Keith was a car. What kind of car would he be, and why?
1: Well, I've always been freakishly strong for my size. When my uh, first year in high school, I weighed 110 pounds. I was five four, and I could bench press 160 pounds. Oh
0: my god! Holy cow!
1: One of my one of my car buddies compared me to a big block '66 Nova, meaning lightweight body with lots of torque and horsepower. Yeah. Inside, so I guess that would be. Would apply for me. Uh, uh, only now I'd be a much heavier 73 version with <laughs> um, a lot more uh, power to weight or a lot more weight to, weight power, to power ratio. ratio. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Great answer, Keith. I, I appreciate you taking some time to think about that one. Very cool. My very first car was a 67 Chevy Nova. So uh, yeah, I've got a little bit of a place in heart, my heart for those cars as well. So very cool. Well, Keith, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal yeah. to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Keith, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Protect your name. It's the only thing you really have in this business. So look after it. Make sure you don't get a bad name out there. You know, do what you promise. Don't screw anybody over. Make sure your name is golden in the industry.
0: Integrity, definitely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success?
1: Um, I design all the time when I walk, when I sleep, when I'm bored. Um, I'm always thinking of something. You know, if I'm walking to the gym, for instance. Uh, I'll see a car roll by and I'll think, what what happen if I put those fenders on this, or I change that bumper to this?" Um, it's always—it's just a nonstop thing with me. Sure. Uh, you know, it's
0: always drawing,
1: always in my head. Yeah, in my head or on the computer—it doesn't matter. It, it, there's always uh, something going.
0: Is there a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoy?
1: Oh, you know, honestly, uh, the, 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 my re, number one resource is Google, I'll be honest. I, I just, I, anytime I need something, I, I look up. I know what, I, what I'm looking for, and I just punch it in Google, and I find what I So, I mean, I'd have to say Google is my number one resource yep. as far as the website
0: <laughs> oh, It's incredible, isn't it? Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would really enjoy?
1: You know, my favorite book is a book called American Concept Cars, hmm. um, and uh-huh. it's just a it's just a it's just a book on on older concept cars. You know, for all the major manufacturers in America uh, from about nineteen, I think from thirty eight to. Uh, around 2000 and something, I guess, but mm-hmm. that's just that's a resource for me. I, I go there all the time. I you know I use it to, to think of names. You know, I look at some of the names they called like their, their concept cars, and I also look at the way they were styling cars, and and I kind of apply that to some of the cars I'm I'm you know playing around with uh, when I'm when I'm doing it. You know, so yeah, yeah very that's cool. My,
0: Awesome. Great. Well, great resources. Well, listeners, you can find all of these great resources Keith's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at com slash Keith Coucher. Keith's last name is K-A-U-C-H-E-R. And there's another great place on the Carsyad website called Guest Recommended Books where this book and all the past 642 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Keith, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car, fun car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because I'll buy you anything in the world today, what would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why?
1: It'd have to be a 73 Pantera. Oh, I nice. Love the, yes, I've, I've loved the styling of this car since I was a kid. The first time I saw it in person and realized this thing was, the proof is right about my, uh, my chest yeah. at that time, <laughs> I thought, wow, this is the lowest coolest sleekest looking car i've ever seen and i was a chevy guy at that point and i think that was really the only thing that disappointed me is it was ford powered at that moment but i've always just loved the look of it um i yeah. don't think any exotic car since or before has ever captured my attention like the pantera wow. i i i hate the mid-80s versions of those cars i think they destroyed them trying to make them look like kundoshes but the original car lines were perfect from every angle and uh, tom de uh, nailed every line on that car uh, and the 73 with the addition of that extended black bumper was was it for me i mean it worked i mean a lot of people don't like it but to me it actually finishes the lines of that car out and uh, i've never been one to like five mile bumpers but that one was the one that actually worked
0: well there is a listener out there cars yeah he's been a listener since the beginning Chris Kimball, he's a friend of mine. He's also a sponsor here, CK Financial. He's a financial guy. You talked about the importance of a good financial planner. He's my financial planner. Great guy. I know he's smiling right now because he has a Pantera. He loves those cars. I got to have dinner with the Pantera Club when I was down in Las Vegas for the SEMA show. bunch of great people, fantastic cars. I've been a big fan of the Pantera myself, so yeah, beautiful design. That combination of European design, American power. I mean, what? How could you get any better than that? It's just a great, great car. Uh,
1: absolutely
0: nice choice. Uh, what color would you like your Pantera in today, Keith?
1: Um, It'd to be yellow, yellow, just like the one I've seen in the thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Uh, I like them. I like them black too, but. Uh... The yellow was the color. I mean, nice it's, car, it's, yeah. It's, it's just, that was the color that, you know, that got me high, high on them. You know?
0: Exactly. Well, Keith, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars you listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down the road into the sunset in your 73 Pantera?
1: Sure. This has been my favorite words of advice since I was in fifth grade. Only you. Can prevent forest fires. <laughs> no, but seriously, never give up on your dreams because the uh, the rewards come in small doses, and if you 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 miss them along the way, you just may miss them completely.
0: Absolutely, great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your car designs?
1: Uh, well, you can go to www.couchercustoms.com, or Perfect. you can call me directly on my number, which is three 310- ten six five six nine
0: nine nine three there you go listeners and I know that he'll answer because when I called him to be on the show he <laughs> answered the phone for me so go to his Yow yeah! website page check out what Keith is doing on his website It'll be a, there'll be a link there for you to go and check out. You can look at all the car designs. I mean it's just absolutely fantastic. Here's a guy who's living the dream, having fun and being extremely creative. We can't wait for the things that we see from you in the future Keith. I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the CarShout listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thank you, Mark. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up,